The Weekly Dish podcast is presented by Common Ground Minnesota. Food and farming conversations from Minnesota women in agriculture. Learn more at commongroundminnesota.com or follow them on Instagram at commongroundminn. Hey everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground Minnesota, and I love talking about women in agriculture. The women of Common Ground Minnesota are volunteers who are volu- you know, taking their time to chat with you about what it's like to live on a farm and grow food in Minnesota. Here's some really great news about this group. They have just launched a newsletter that you can basically sign up for at commongroundminnesota.com, and you get the latest you know, events, giveaways, delicious recipes, all sorts of great stories from the farm. And I got to tell you, it's just a really cool thing to get into your inbox every month. And it's it's kind of an, a way in. If you're wondering, like, I don't know what I'm going to ask when I go to Common Ground, Minnesota. Well, this is just an introduction and a way to get you guys to meet the farmers at Common Ground, Minnesota. The Common Ground Minnesota volunteers, remember, their goal is to be a resource for your food and farming questions. Don't forget, check them out on Instagram at Common Ground, M-I-N-N, CommonGroundMinnesota.com. We are back with the second hour of Weekly Dish. We're going to do something really fun. Elizabeth, are you ready for this? I'm we're going to give totally ready. We're going to give someone a hundred dollar gift card oh. just for being a Weekly Dish listener. You can go ahead and be, we'll say, caller four to make it easier on our producer, and you will get a gift card to any of the participating restaurants that are participating in the up coming restaurant week with Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine's Food and Wine. They do this a couple times a year and the fall restaurant week is going to be awesome. I'm really excited. Rachel, do you have the dates of when fall restaurant week is? I think it's next week, isn't it? I think it's coming up. It's October 11th to the 17th. I was okay. right. Awesome. That was a so, good dramatic pause, Rachel. I liked that very much. Yeah. I'm so sorry. It took me a second to find it. Nope, no, it it's okay. And I gave her no notice. So <laughs> you know great. how that goes. <laughs> but uh, Restaurant Week is awesome because you get to try different places with low commitment because they have like a set pre-fee meal usually. Lunch, it's a two-course. Dinner, it's a three-course. Sometimes they have add-ons. But it's kind of a good way to force yourself out of your comfort zone and try some different things at a very reasonable price. So fourth caller gets the gift card for 100 bucks. Fabulous. So that's fun. Um, okay, so on the previous side of this conversation, we were talking about ways to not make cauliflower crust soggy. And I've got some thoughts. Have you made one, uh, Elizabeth? No, I haven't. And um, I always think, like, just buy the pre-made one. But tell me what the tricks are. Okay, so they say the pre-made ones are fairly good. Yeah. I've made a pre-made one, and it was terrible. It fell apart, and I had to scrape it off my oven for about an hour and a half. This brand called Cali Apostrophe Flour looks kind of good Okay. Today. All and right, it has so, mozzarella, egg whites, and then it has like Italian seasoning. 
All right. So the trick to this, whether you use it as raw cauliflower and you rice it yourself and cook it, or whether you buy frozen cauliflower, is to squeeze the water out like you would when you make zucchini. Yeah. Another trick is that if you mix it with parm, grated parm, it doesn't really congeal right or shredded cheese. So they recommend using goat cheese. Mm. It gives the firmer texture to hold everything together and it melts more evenly and it mixes more evenly. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so I thought that was a good trick. And basically, when you put your crust down on your parchment paper, like our previous guest, I think her name was Joni, said she did. Yeah. Then you halfway through have to flip it. Oh, So I think people don't flip. Flip, and then you don't put the toppings on until the crust is cooked. That's correct. Yeah. So you've got on your parchment paper, your top side's brown, take it out of the oven, flip it on the parchment paper, peel the parchment off, and then let that other side cook. You know, I will say, I've we had this a couple times on Twin Cities Live, when you pound out a chicken breast super thin, uh-huh. and then like cook that and use it as a pizza <laughs> crust, and it sounds so sick, and it's really gr- good. I bet. It's just good. It's like tasty, and then you just like... You pound out the chicken breast really thin in between, you know, plastic wrap or whatever. And then I think you can either bake it or just cook it in a skillet Yum. and then add the toppings and then just put the put it in the oven and just have it melt. And, and then the chicken actually like holds up. Yeah, it's like chicken parm. Exactly. Yeah, it's good. It's tasty. Um, I've one of my commitments for this year in 2021, I think, is that I am no longer going to be fad dieting. Are you just deciding on commitments for 2021 now in October? <laughs> this year, so. Elizabeth, this is a big year for me. A lot of things need to happen. And so you know, there's only like two and a half months left. Which okay. That feels yes. Good. But you always have a word. And it yeah. takes a while to like percolate on what you feel like. Marinate, if you will. All yes. these good good food references. Percolate, marinate. <laughs> macerate. <laughs> macerate. That's a good one. She was a real macerator. Oh, gosh. Okay. Top two in hour two is where we tell you two things we're obsessed with this week. And we're going to give it a go now. Give him the old one, two. One, two, one, two. And now the Weekly Dish presents Top Two, Top Two. The Top Two. Pick your best two. In our two. All right, give me two. Winning, 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 winning. Just FYI, right. I do support your your 2021 resolution. Of no more fad dieting. Yeah, I think it's great. I Yeah, I Stephanie and I will have to discuss it at length because she has been encouraging this move for 13 years. <laughs> um, Stephanie, or no, Elizabeth, your dad was a minister. Yeah, yes, the Reverend Doctor. Okay, and I had happy hour with a rabbi recently. Oh, how wonderful. My friend, Rabbi Avi, and he's become a good friend, and he can't eat, or he doesn't eat meat things. Right. So I have to think about where we're going to go. And so we went to Revival this week in St. Louis Park, and we had the Beet Reuben. I was going to say that seems sort of like a funny place to go for a non-meat Yeah, either. I know. But they have lots of non-meaty things. They've got those fried green tomatoes. They those. have delicious cheese curds. We had a Revival Beet Reuben. Oh, so I'm... it's the smokiness. It's yes. the sauce. It's all the things. But they were sliced thin beets instead of pastrami. Interesting. Was it delicious? It really was. I bet it was. I It looked weird at first because maybe they cut the beets a little thick at this particular location. Okay. But the taste was excellent. I don't know what it was about the roasted smoky beet that worked, but it did. Listen, you know, I'm liking that idea for sandwiches in general. Like, why not slice some beets thin on a mandolin and then kind of roast them up? Yeah. And then add them on to like a turkey sandwich or anything at home. Like, that's a really 
cool idea. Yeah, especially if you have lots of beets you got to use. For sure. Garden beets, you yeah. know. All right. Give me one of yours. So I'm going to go to a chocolate cake. Why not? Because you went beets and I'm going chocolate cake. So Heathcliff's first birthday was last weekend. And I wanted to make a cake for him that he wasn't going to eat, <laughs> but everyone else could eat. <laughs> and um, I found a recipe that I think you guys would really like. So it's from I Am Baker, which is Amanda Retke, who is like a powerhouse food blocker. But what I love about this cake is that it's called a chocolate craving cake. And so it's only eight by eight. Oh, it's an cute. eight by eight yeah. pan. So I made just a super cute little eight by eight pan. It's like a brownie pan. Yeah. But with this little chocolate cake, it's so simple and it turned out delicious. And it was just really nice when you want to have like a little birthday cake. And then we did like cute sprinkles on it and candles. And I used instead of the frosting that she listed with it in her blog post, there's a link to her chocolate buttercream recipe. Yep. I use that. Um, both were amazing. And then you only have cake for like a couple days, you know? Yes. I don't know. Sometimes you got like a little family. We just had us. It wasn't like I had extended family over. So it was just us. And I don't really want like cake for five days around yeah. the house. It's just like, it's not good for me to do. Yeah. No, I hear you. I'm making all this stuff for the cookbook. And then I'm like running around in the neighborhood going, who wants yes. my cooked food? But this was like so sweet because it's just, this, it was like a little cute I like square it. cake was very fun. So anyway, I posted the recipe for you. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. This is kind of like chocolate cake, but not exactly. I was... <laughs> At home this week, and I was pretty much pickled from my Disney experience, <laughs> so I really needed to like clear the decks. And I was baking some things for the cookbook, and I ran out of vanilla. Mm. And I don't know if you know that vanilla is super expensive. It's crazy when you buy vanilla bean paste; it's twenty five dollars for a jar. Yep. So I was like, "Well, what do I have around the house? Because I've got to make this recipe, and I'm not running to the store." So the Cafe Frida coffee liqueur from Denord, oh. which is our friend Chris and uh, Chanel Montana, it is a liqueur, a coffee liqueur, but I used it instead of vanilla. And this is a trick that Steph and I do a lot. Also, if you have a vanilla bean and you need like scrape out the pod for whatever for a recipe, yeah. you put that bean back in a little jar and you put the coffee liqueur with that bean and it kind of extends your vanilla life for all of your baking throughout this the season. And it's smart. not super expensive. Super smart. So, yeah. So, Cafe Frida Coffee Liqueur by Denord. It's delicious. So, you can just drink it on the rocks or have a little sip of it. But you can also use it as a replacement for vanilla. Yeah, I love that idea. Okay, I've got one more thing. This is um, sourdough. You know, I, I am still very sourdough obsessed. And Good. I just fed my starter this morning. I'm going to bake tomorrow. But... um Brian Ford is a baker. His blog is called artisanbrian.com. And I have had his book for quite some time and just finally started baking out of it because I just got, Uh it just took me a little while. It's called New World Sourdough. And it is really great. And his website is packed with like really helpful tips to make your sourdough great. And he does a method where you like build a Levain separate. You like have your starter, then you build a Levain and then you make the recipe. And I have found that to be almost foolproof. I think I made my best loaves when I used his recipe um, when I baked a few weeks ago. I don't I, help me understand what a Levain is. So a Levain is essentially like um, it's a it's what you build for a specific recipe. So like you have your starter going all the time and then you take some of the starter and you build a Levain and then you use all of that in your recipe. And he gives really clear instructions on how to do it. And then I posted about it and then, 
um, he, I was messaging back and forth with him on Instagram, and I just think he's like so wonderful. And he's um, he has Honduran roots, so he like incorporates a lot of his. He has a real multicultural background, so he incorporates like lots of things from all sorts of places into his recipes, it. which is really cool. Yeah, he looks really fun. He's wonderful. Okay, that's Artisan Brian Sourdough, and I will link that on our show page. Um, I'm just getting back into baking because it's been summer and so hot, and at the cabin you can't even like turn on the stove when no. it's 90 degrees. I cook the least in the summer. I, you know, I just I like probably... assemble things. I like cook bacon yeah, and make assembly. a BLT. I mean, that's all I do. And I eat a lot in the summer. That summer's my eating season. <laughs> Fall's my eating season. I know. Season. I'm the reverse of everybody oh, else. Gosh. Like, I'm like, let's start packing it on. You know that fat bear contest? I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. I'm <laughs> here for the winter. Too. It's so good. All right. So we're going to go ahead. Yeah, it's time to take a break and we'll be right back. All right. I'm Stephanie Hansen here with Elizabeth Reese. It is the weekly dish. We are in our second hour and boy, it is just flying by, Elizabeth. We are having such good conversations. I love chatting about the foods with you. Yes, and then in the breaks, I'm furiously posting all the links so that I can get them all up. <laughs> Stephanie and I, actually, I'm just going to out her. She's terrible about posting the links. So <laughs> unless it's up before the show, she'll, she's like, she very rarely goes back after the fact. So I'm always like, I'll just do it right when we're on the air. And then sometimes if she's having a good week, she'll post it and then I'll post it right after because I'm covering her butt. She's like, stop covering for me <laughs> we have like the sisterly relationship that has evolved over time I for never having been sisters it's, it's quite funny actually very good <clears throat> okay so i was in ely a lot of the summer mm-hmm. my husband basically stays there most of the summer and i grew these giant cabbages And cabbages are really fun to grow up in the Northland because it's zone three. They got huge. I grew six of them and I made sauerkraut. Great. And love fermenting. Bradley Trainer on this station is a big fermenter. I know you like fermenting. So just rubbing. There's a book that is by this woman named Amanda Pfeiffer. It's called Fickle Ferments. Okay. And her Insta is fickle. And rub it with salt and put it in the refrigerator after it's done and blah, blah, blah. And I fermenting is like a whole nother conversation for another day because there's lots of ways to do it. So I've got all this sauerkraut and some of it is like more soggy than others, depending on different methods that I used because I'm still experimenting with what the best method is that I want to use for the cookbook. So I have all this sauerkraut and I was like, okay, I want to make a pork shoulder and I made the sauerkraut which literally meant I took it out of the jar and you can buy a a package of it, put it in a Dutch oven. Then you have the juice from the sauerkraut. Then I added a little apple juice. I added some um, seasonings and then I put my pork roast right in there. And then I rubbed that with some seasoning with some thyme, salt, pepper. And then I baked it for like three hours. Okay. Then I want to make dumplings. And all the recipes for potato dumplings, which is what my mom used to make us, are leftover mashed potatoes, and then you roll them with some flour and some egg, and then you cut them into the dumplings, and then you boil the dumplings, and then you use those dumplings and like like bake a butter sauce or serve them with beef stew. But the dumplings are pretty much cooked in the boiling process. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to cook them in the braise. So I've been experimenting with how I can do this. And I really didn't find many recipes that did it like this until I went to the old recipes. Oh, fun. The grandma recipes that I find at the vintage stores or that I have at some books up at my cabin. 
So once the roast was done, I take the roast out of the sauerkraut and I put it on a plate and I cover it with foil. Then I roll my dumplings out, which is, again, mashed potatoes, egg, and they're not fancy. These are very rustic dumplings. Mm -hmm. You cut them, and then I set them on top of the sauerkraut, the leftover juju from the pork that's in there, which is basically fat. Some, If you have a super fatty roast, you might have to defat it a little bit because that's just gross. But add a little bit more broth, and I boiled the dumplings in this sauerkraut melange that I had made from my cabin. Okay, this seems fun. Oh, it was. Then they come out and they're like floating kind of on the top of the sauerkraut melange. So you've got sauerkraut, you've got potato dumplings, you've got this delicious pork shoulder. And then I served it with the horseradish cream. And I'm telling you, it is a winner. I've done it like three separate times now. Okay, this is amazing. And why not? I mean, you cook dumplings in all sorts of like, you know, like broth. a matzo yeah, ball like, is, a, is a dumpling and you cook it in the broth. And every culture has its dumplings. And I just felt like, I don't know, like you're boiling the dumpling. Why can't you boil that in something flavorful that's saucy For versus sure. just water? Well, and you know... Take that even to other things, too. Like, I've been hearing um, from our friend Jamie Price, who has a blog, So Happy You Liked It. She comes on Twin Cities Live, and she was talking about steaming vegetables. And she's like, use chicken broth to steam the vegetables Absolutely. instead of water. You know, like... Use it when you those, make mashed potatoes. All these different types of things that you can just... So easily, it's the same technique. It's just swapping out one ingredient, which, of course, you know, you do... Like I do with grains all the time, where I... I use chicken broth instead of water. I very rarely use water to oh, make Oh, me grains. neither. Like, I always use broth. And I'm now obsessed with pearled barley, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's fun. That's like how I am about farro. I love it so much. I do, too, actually. Yeah, that's I funny. make risotto with farro. Me, I'm, too. And it's I just use that instead of arborio or cannaroli rice. Yeah, I use both, but I feel... Is it farro or farro? You can say it either way. Okay, I feel like it makes a much more interesting risotto-y dish. Nuttier... A little juicy. A little bit more chewy, too. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, so, in any case, if you're interested in making these dumplings, you could also put them on, like, if you're stewing a chicken and you're going to make, like, a chicken stew, or if you do a chicken in the crock pot, anything you do in the crock pot, you could easily put dumplings in. For sure. Um, and just put the lid on, and they would steam in there. If you were doing beef stew. So, I got real excited about making dumplings and... Uh, horseradish cream is easy too. I just use sour cream, Greek yogurt, horseradish, and a little salt and just mix all that up. And that makes a delicious sauce for a Mississippi roast, a chuck roast, a sandwich. A, a sand- yeah, that's what Kurt does. Whenever I make pot roast, he makes sandwiches. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to make a sandwich out of my roast. He's like, yep, do you mind? I'm like, nope, you do you. Whatever works. Uh, pot roast sandwiches are pretty good. I'm I know. Any sandwiches. That's that's like I talked last week about this um, bacon-wrapped pork meatloaf that we had on Twin <gasps> Cities Live. Oh. That was so good. I think Steph posted that recipe on the Facebook page. Okay, it was, so you'll find it, friends. It was very, very good. But um and it was such a great idea. That was another like meal prep thing I was thinking about is just make a big meatloaf, slice it up, and then just griddle it and cook it and then put it on a sandwich. Or mini loaves. Yes. Little kids. Like, you know, kids are all about yeah. like anything that's little mini or small or, or put cute. It on, like a bun. My kids are so brioche bun obsessed right now. I'm going to figure out. I'm going to do some sourdough brioche buns is happening. The um the brioche buns that they have at Trader Joe's are they great? Are good. Yeah. Yep. 
I had my first $46 Wagyu beef burger when I was in Aspen of all places. <laughs> and I was not sure if what was so delicious was the burger itself and the fat and the richness of the meat or the bun because it was a brioche bun that was buttered and griddled. I'm convinced that oh. brioche makes everything in life better. 100%. Yeah, it's like so French toast. Yes. Good. Yes. Uh, pumpkin. Breakfast sandwiches. Bread pudding. Yes. I did brioche buns in a um, for turkey sandwiches for my daughter this week at school. She just said this morning, she was like, those turkey sandwiches this week were the best. And I was like, it's the brioche burn. I don't know what to tell you. It's the brioche. I just love that you're, because here was what Ellie got for her school lunch. She got a dried out wheat tortilla wrap. <laughs> That I would fi- maybe put mayonnaise on it. Sometimes I'd put hummus, whatever. <laughs> and then I would lay down like a couple slices of turkey. And then I'd always jam it full of like spinach yeah. or kale or beet greens. Like, and then I'd wrap it all up and think that she wouldn't notice. She she noticed. <laughs> she did and notice. And she's probably filled with a little bit of resentment about it. I, I need to, I got to manage school lunches a little bit. Like it's getting out of control because it's just taking up way too much of my headspace. I will say one, I've been doing a lot of leftover soups for her. So like my chicken wild rice soup. Yeah. Um, and then I just put it in a thermos and she wolfs it down. Yeah. Maybe she'd like it if I gave her a little brioche roll on the side too. Or pretzel rolls. All the kids like pretzel rolls. All the goods. All right. When we come back, Elizabeth, it's your segment. I don't know what you're doing, but I hope it's good. I got some stuff. I'm sure. (laughs) When we come back. Hello, Weekly Dishers. Spring is sprung, and that means the best-tasting wild-caught seafood is available from Sitka Salmon. You may have heard us talk about Sitka Salmon before on the show, and that's because we are huge fans. Sitka Salmon standards for quality are unrivaled in the industry because, you see, Sitka Salmon is a community-supported fishery. The fish they process for you to eat are caught by a collective of small boat fishermen, fisherwomen, and families. Some of these families have been fishing for multiple generations. And knowing the boat your fish comes from is not typical of most fish you buy. When you buy a Sitka salmon share, you're getting the freshest quality fish you can, and you can trace the fish back to its source. With your share, you're part of the Sitka family, and you get monthly fish shipments of salmon, lingcod, crab, tuna, halibut, and you get the freshest fish while it's in season. They even have recipes, but I've been steaming my cod in my Instant Pot. The fish is so delicious, you don't even need to do much to serve it other than cook it and eat it. So Weekly Dishers, here is how you get your $25 discount for the first month of a premium Sitka Salmon Share. Type SitkaSalmonShares.com backslash Weekly Dish and you save $25. So save $25 on your box. Again, type Sitka, S-I-T-K-A, SalmonShares.com backslash Weekly Dish and you save $25. Oh, that is the weekend and it is the weekend and Elizabeth Reese has been cooking up a storm. Elizabeth, I love having you on the show. Thank you so much for filling in for Steph. Oh, gosh. Thanks for asking me. I love it. It's just the best time of the week to just lounge and chat a little bit about food and about what's going on. Okay. So I thought we could talk about a few things. Number one, being squash obsessed right now. Yes. Um, Uh, You were the one who turned me on to... What are the name of the yellow squashes with the green stripes? Delicata you- squash. Yes. <laughs> I just talked about those on Minnesota Live, which is the new 9 a.m. show on KSTP this week. Every Wednesday morning, they send a crew out to um, do a live shot from my kitchen and, and I make something. You're the first one that I think I saw do it where you don't have to peel them. You just slice them and roast them and put them in salads or whatever. Right? Oh, no. I think we lost the connection with Elizabeth. I hate when that happens. (laughs) 
Oh, here we go. <laughs> I think you're back. Okay. Woo. Okay, repeat what you said. All I heard was you're the first one that you saw do it. How? Okay, so you sliced the delicata yeah. and then you roasted it and then you like served it on a salad or with farro and it was just that easy it's and you so didn't easy. peel it. This is why I love delicata squash because the name translates into delicate skin. That's why it's called delicata. Okay. Because it is a winter squash, but it has a thin skin. I had a technical difficulty. Do you grow there. them? Um, yes, I have. I did. <gasps> I tried this year and then my squash patch really, I've got, you know, I'm in a relatively new house. And so my squash situation was not great. Okay. Um, I have one lone pumpkin that did really well oh, and it's sitting outside and, and that's it fine. It takes a while to get to know your soil and your area. I and tried your a sun. squash patch on the side of the house and it just we're adding a lot of compost to it is what's going to be happening right about now. But, um, so yes, I have grown it many times and it's very easy. It's a small, um, oval shaped squash. And what's nice about it is that they're not super big at all. And so they can trellis really easily. Like you can grow them up and then they, they are not going to like break a vine, you know? Okay. This is really good to know. Compared to like a giant butternut squash, which can be tough. You have to kind of like net it and hold it up or whatever. And it's all over the place. Yeah. And, and on the ground, they take up a lot of space. So a delicata squash is really great for you to grow up. And they're smaller, so they don't take quite as long to, you know, come to fruition. Yes. And then same deal, harvest them when the vines grow back or die back and then let them sit outside for like five days um, in the sun. Or if you have like a warm garage or sure. something like that, put them in there and then they're cured and then they're ready to go. But um, you can eat the skin. So I just slice them lengthwise, scoop out the guts on the inside and then I slice it um, horizontally like into half moons. Yep. And then just roast it up. So I also think um, I just subbed out kabocha squash for a butternut squash in a recipe that I love. That's a that's a pasta that I love. And it worked out so great. So I think don't be afraid to like look at the squash at the farmer's market and buy a bunch of different colorful ones and kind of use them interchangeably. Are those the ones that look like turbans? Um, Kind of. They're orange. Okay. Or little pumpkins. Yeah. They look like pumpkins, but they're bright, like, like more of like a tangerine bright orange. Yeah. I have a few of those on my table right now. Yeah. They're beautiful. Okay. So they're really amazing. So, and then when it comes to the garden, you, you might be doing this too, Steph, but this is a really good time to start to jot down some notes and plan for next year because you think you'll remember and then you don't. Oh no. That is the fail of my life. Yes. Is all the gardening I didn't record. That you didn't record. So taking a little note about like which varieties really did well, which ones you really liked the most, what you wish you would have planted, um, and then like things that you really like eating. And then you'll think about it that that's what you want to plant for next year. Yeah, because sometimes you plant things that you don't like to eat. This has happened many times. And the yes. kooka melons, which are That's adorable. so funny. That is exactly what popped into my mind. They're cute to put as like a garnish yep. in cocktails. They're fun to have around, but then I don't really care about eating them. No. And it's you so funny. We have the same over those brain. things. <laughs> It is, I was literally like, as I was speaking, the word cucamelon was like popping into oh, my mind. Oh, yes. So, this is a really good time to think about that kind of stuff um, because you're, it's, it's top of mind right now. As you're, I mean, we're still harvesting from the garden and you can, you know, that's what's happening right now, but you'll, but you'll have a good idea of what you want to get going. I'm always like, too, like uh, after Labor Day, I'm done. 
Because yeah. I've gotten all my goodies out of my garden yeah. and it gets freezy up there. And I just, I know I should come home and start doing spinach and cool things and I'm just done. You can be. You don't I'm have to like, do it all oh, the time. I gotta just, I'm going to go to a farmer's market and buy all this yeah, stuff Yeah, for sure. Absolutely do that. Um, I also think this is the time of year when I start doing Sunday soups and <gasps> this is kind of a fun thing. That I think everybody might like. So on Sundays, I generally will just make a pot of soup kind of like in the morning and have it just sitting on the stove. And then I turn it off, but I just have it on the stove. And then anybody throughout the day can just like grab a cup of soup. Yeah. Because are your kids into fourth meal yet? Kind of. Okay. Because as they get to be a little like preteen and teenish, pre-prebescent-y, fourth meal becomes a very critical, important piece of the family dynamic. Mine are just obsessed with snacks. Like all the time they're saying they're hungry. Yeah. And they might be. They're growing. They might be. And so fourth meal, if you can have a fourth meal plan, like a legit meal or frozen meals or things that they can heat up, like all of Ellie's friends would come to my house and Ellie would hate it because she's like, we don't have anything to eat that's not a meal. And her (laughs) friends would be like, I love coming to your house because you have meals. Because I would just, you know, have like, just throw this in the microwave and that's your fourth meal. And then you're set. Yeah. I didn't buy snacks. I yeah. Well, I bought granola and nuts to the point of where no one in my house wants to eat those things You've ever again. You've ruined them on those. Yeah, that's yep. fair. I, I did that with almonds. I <laughs> ate so many almonds early in my TV career. I'd be like in the middle of nowhere just with like a handful of almonds. Yep, and now uh, I like, it just reminds me of feeling destitute and sad. And alone. And alone. <laughs> and so like I'm, I'm ruined. For, I can't. People will be like, just why don't you just snack on almonds? And I'm like, I'm never snacking on almonds. Uh, never again. But the other thing that I like about doing the Sunday soup deal is that then you can have it in the fridge for lunches quick for the week yes um and so again like packing it up in a thermos for the kids or having for you is is really nice and then um i have a new meal planning thought what so i like meal planning i feel very in control you have to control your meal plan i have one of these like a board that i write all the meals on and it's really great when um when jay and i kind of collaborate on it like when we get into a groove we're on sundays we just look through sometimes i'll be like hey look through this cookbook and pick something that looks good you know or to kind of have everybody invested in the plan is Mm -hmm. nice and it's just fun to get ideas but I've so here's what I kind of broke down a couple weeks ago is that my meal planning is going to be done by method more than by recipe. So I'm looking at my week and I'm thinking, okay, so Wednesdays I know in our house, and this is just different for everybody, but Wednesdays, Jay is a lot of times not home on Wednesdays. Uh-huh. So I am going to be doing slow cooker things on Wednesdays because then I know I can just come home and have it done. Yeah, totally. And then. Mondays, for example, I generally have a little bit more time in the morning because I try not to schedule morning shoots and meetings on Mondays. So I'm going to assemble a sheet pan dinner on Mondays and then know that we have a babysitter who picks Bernie up from school and then she can put that sheet pan in the oven and it's ready when I get home. Great. And then Tuesdays, we generally do takeout because I need to keep the kitchen clean for my Wednesday live shots. (laughs) The kitchen is my life. And then Thursdays is going to be like a pasta because Thursdays are, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sort of like, all right, I'm wrapping up the week a little bit. And so that's the night I'm going to do like a spaghetti or a pasta or maybe carbonara or like something like that. Yep. And then Friday, we usually do pizza and a movie night. And so I'm finding that breaking the week down by method is maybe a way that it might help you when you look at like, okay, this night we know we have dance. So let's have something that I can, like a casserole that can just be popped in the oven. Smart. And then thinking about, oh, this night we have a little bit more time. So I'm going to do like 
skillet chicken or something like that, or like assemble a big taco bar for everybody to sit down and eat. You could even think about this like on that dance night, let's just say. Yeah. It could either be Instant Pot night. It could be air fryer night. Right. It could be you can think about it by, pan night. Exactly. Like, it's by appliance or method. I like that idea. And it makes it feel less overwhelming because then all you have to do is go to your source for sheet pan cooking, whatever that is, yeah. and you just find something. And then you have your ideas and you can Google sheet pan meals versus being like Googling quick weeknight meals yes. and not knowing what to do. And I also think... Utilizing cookbooks, you know, if you have some cookbooks that you like, that you can even like get your family involved in and then having them help a little bit. Like you can have your kids look through a cookbook and be like, this looks good. And then helping with some of that meal prep. Yes. Is very helpful because I think the main thing that I'm trying to avoid is number one, just getting stressed out. And then, I mean, it enrages me when I present food to my family and someone starts to complain about it. And I, I think because you also are a healthy, your your mind is on healthy food and you want to present healthy food choices to your family. And I buy expensive food. You know, yeah. like I buy pasture-raised chicken. I mean, it really does. It, it, I find it like personally, it's like a personal affront. It's insulting. It's insulting because <laughs> I'm like, and then, I, and then I find myself being like, I work all day. Like, you tell me other people who are working all day and coming home and making this kind of dinner. No one. <laughs> and then I'm just like, and you have the gall to say, I don't like that kind yeah. of from And from they're me. just children. I know, they're kids, and, so and it's, it's whatever. it's hard to remember but that when I think in the moment. It totally is. And so I try to take a deep breath. We do have a no, if, if you don't like the food, you say no thank you. Like, there is no insulting the food at the table. I'm just not going to raise people who do that. <laughs> To me or anyone else. Insulting the food. At the table. Like, you're not doing that. You're not saying, I'm not eating that nasty pork roast. Yes. That's funny. Unless I say it's not a great pork roast, which I have said. And sometimes, you know, you make stuff that's not awesome. You take a bite and you, and then the last time that happened was during the fair and I made this terrible pork in the slow cooker, which I couldn't believe happened. And I took a bite of it and I was just like, this is, I said to Jay, I was like, I'm going to need you to get in the car and go get some tacos <laughs> and bring them home. And he was like, so pumped. He's like, oh, I'm all, bye. What happened? Was it just dry or did you have the wrong cut? It was like dry. I think it was, I've, I had some pork from a pig that I'd gotten a long time ago too, you know, in the freezer. <laughs> I've got I've got to go pick up a half a hog this weekend and I've been trying to like clear out the freezer. The half a hog situation is a lot of pork, but it's great to have that handy in your freezer. It's really great. I mine is ready. I need to go. I actually need to go like right after we're done with this conversation. I need to get in the car and drive to Afton and go get you it. You know where I have to go? Succotash Retro. Hey. Because I have to pick up a lamp I bought on Instagram. Look at that. Yeah. It's- it's very, very cute. Those are fun Saturday errands. So that's kind of what's been happening in my kitchen. Sunday soups, meal planning by method, thinking about your garden and jotting down some notes for next year, and then just getting having some fun with your squash. Yes, and I like Sunday soup. So what is going to be this Sunday soup? Because last I got... I, I, uh, I had a request for your wild rice soup. So I did gave, you post that? And I did, and I put that out in the sphere. What is this Sunday soup? Do There's you know a yet? really good Italian sausage and vegetable one that mm. I make all the time. I have that recipe. I can um, we can post that too. Okay, and that one is so good. I also have a ham hock um, in the freezer, and then some ham. And so I think I think I'm going to do a ham bean soup. Which I have made in the slow cooker, and it's way better on the stove. Okay, so we're going to talk about that, and I have one other uh, soup suggestion for you when we come back on The Weekly Dish.
during the break and so i thought we would take her call if that's okay with you elizabeth we have lynn on the line hi lynn yeah what can we help you with well first i wanted to say i love your show i listen every week thank you um i have overabundance of oregano and basil in my patio herb garden okay harvest time i know what to do with the basil because i always make a bunch of pesto yep but i I have more oregano than I planned, and I don't know what else to do with it. I thought you guys would be perfect to give me some ideas. If sure. You were, please. Oh, that's good. Just I got try it. Yeah. Just try it? Yeah. Also, what do you think? you can cut it up and put it in ice cube trays with water. So you have basically a freshy ice cube that you just put in a Ziploc bag, and then when you're making spaghettis or sauces, you just throw a couple cubes in. Yeah. Okay. The the drying too is so easy because you can just hang, like tie bunches of it with twine upside and down upside down and then hang it from like I hang it from like a clothing rack or something like that and then um, just let it sit until it fully dries out and then you can just crumble it and it's so good because oregano is one of those things too like fresh oregano is is pungent yeah I mean yeah. oregano really needs to be cooked or dried to make yeah. it really great. And when you when you take the dry and you take it off the stalks and you crumble it up, do it over a sheet pan because it's kind of messy. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> and maybe put a little parchment on it. And then you can just, like, hold the parchment into a little taco shape and pour it right into your container. <laughs> into your jar, absolutely. What do you think about that? <laughs> you guys have a lot of great ideas. Thank you so much. All right, We're Lynn, good luck with your Lincoln. harvest, your herb harvest. Yeah, have fun. That's great. <laughs> I have a great day. You bet. I do want to mention, you guys, that the cookbook swap is happening. It's going to be happening at Malcolm Yards this year, which is the new place right over here by 280 University. That's a food hall that is one of the most successful food halls I've ever been to. It's so good. Oh, great. Uh, tickets are 15 bucks, and you would join us. You bring your cookbooks, and then we'll put them all out on a table, and you'll swap. We'll have some good uh, raffle prizes, and it's all the money, 100% of the money that we collect goes to charity. Steph and I just do this for fun. We're also adding a component this year where if you want to bring a recipe card, we'll put it in a fishbowl, and so everyone will leave with a new recipe which we're excited about. And it is like October 30th, so it's Halloween-ish day. So if you feel like you need to wear a costume, <laughs> you can, and we will be here for it. I know Stephanie will wear something good. I won't because I'm terrible at dressing up. <laughs> but you should still come to the cookbook swap. It's a big space, too, so we can have more people, but there's also room for more people. We're not in such a closed environment. So you can come uh, if you want to wear a mask. Come. We're looking forward to having you. It is the Weekly Dish Cookbook Swap. Find the link to register on the Facebook page. And let's see what else. We talked about the restaurant week is coming up. Oh, I know. Uh, the Makers of Minnesota dinner that I did at the Lexington was really fabulous. It looked wonderful. It was wonderful. And it was so civilized to like go out and have... <laughs> there was only 70 people allowed in the restaurant. Wow. So it's a small group. We get the whole restaurant to ourselves. And October's makers are Sweetland Orchard. Have you talked to Gretchen on your oh, show? I love Gretchen. Yes, I've yeah. been to visit Gretchen, and um, I love Sweetland Orchard cider. is so good. Yeah, she's amazing. And uh, the humble goat goat cheese is also uh, they're made by Stickney Hill Dairy, which is in the uh, Minnesota here. And then K Mama Sauce. Have you ever talked to Casey Kai? No. Oh, he's hilarious. He's this Korean guy that's mom made this sauce. 
and we call it the Korean ketchup and it's now in Target and he just got married and he's building his Korean sauce business. It's just super delicious. So the chef Antonio at the Lex will make dishes with these three things and we will eat them and it will be awesome. So you can find tickets for that at uh, stephaniesdish.com too. There's a link there. And Elizabeth, do you have anything exciting that you wanted to talk about? I wanted to tell you in your soup talking, you didn't say instant pot once. I know. I don't have one. How can this be? I broke down and bought an air fryer for you. I know. know. You would love it. I know. I still don't have one. I think that I would. I think I would love it. I am working towards it, I think. Okay. The air fryer, though, is taking up like the one spot in a cabinet that I have to store a large appliance. And I'm just here to tell you, you will use that Instant Pot 10 times more than you use the air fryer. I can't believe that because I use the air fryer all the time. When we did those smash burgers last weekend I was telling you about, we do... um, I just throw, like, I just slice up russet potatoes and then toss them in a little bit of olive oil or avocado oil or whatever and then put them in the air fryer and then we just have, like, great fries that are done and I didn't even have to turn on the oven. I love the air fryer. I may just have to break down and buy you an Instant Pot. It's, I mean, someone was just like, Star Wars one then. (laughs) (laughs) No, that one's expensive and fancy. I'm going to find one at Goodwill that's still in the box. That's good. You do find them there a lot because people don't know what to do with them and they eventually get rid of them. Yeah. I use it for rice. You mentioned soup. Like, okay, it makes tons of soup. I use mine for rice. I'm making spaghetti in the Instant Pot next week. That's Great. All I'm doing is like the meat, saute, then I'm putting the sauce and I'm putting the dry noodles on top and sealing that bad boy up for five minutes. That's it. (laughs) You could have dinner for your whole family in 10 minutes. I know. I do think that I would like it. I I just haven't like taken the plunge on it yet. And I feel, um, oh boy, but I might weekly dish might have to contribute to your household. There's also like another variety of, um, cooker like that that's called a vita clay that is a clay pot it's like a real hippie thing and that one is kind of calling my name it, is it like tandoor cooking sort of yeah you cook it, it's it's just it's similar to an instant pot because it has like a pressurized component to it but it's a clay huh. pot instead of a stainless steel pot okay i'm just looking that up and um yeah why would you do that and not do an instant pot just go full instant <laughs> pot friend you won't regret it Okay, I'm going to just move on because I can't keep having this conversation. You have to decide to do it or not. I did my air fryer and I've used it three times. No. Yep, but I'm committed. I'm home now. Once I get past the recipe stuff, I'm going to start using the air fryer more. I love it. I'm going to be committed. Here's the thing. Also, don't think about the air fryer as needing like a big recipe. Just think of it as like, this is what I like about it. It's just toss some vegetables in some oil and seasoning and throw it in. And that's it. Like you can do that with cauliflower. You can do it with broccoli. You can do it with sweet potatoes, anything like that. And then it's just, then you can do like, I make chicken thighs on the stove. I make one vegetable in the air fryer and then it's dinner's done. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, I will get on the instant pot train with you. Okay. I'm ready to do it. And then I'll recommit to my air fryer because it's in the garage. What? On my husband's workbench. It stinks. Hanson. It makes your whole house stink. It does not. I have a very tight house. <sighs> I, my new, my, when I moved, the house is, uh, was remodeled and it's super tight. It holds kitchen smells. Yeah. I have that, a hundred year old house that like a bird could fly through that's exactly my right. window. Caps. So it's in the garage, which is fine. We use it. We go down there on occasion, but okay. I'm going to recommit to my air fryer and you get the instant pot and we'll go from there. I really listening to you talk about your life I know. and how, like, I just think, oh my gosh. 
just the spaghetti alone instant pot spaghetti would be worth it right there i feel exhausted by my life when i talk about it too i'm glad other people feel that way when they hear about it <laughs> and risotto and all the like farro farro is done so much faster that's true and like pearled barley that I can't get enough of. And yeah. Okay. I know. I also like the idea of like. I feel like I'm bullying you. Meats in there. No, but I did this to you with the air fryer. And so it's deserved. It's I'll okay. take it back. I, I think that the, those appliances, you got to figure out, you know, you got to figure out your counter space. I do kind of wish now that I use my air fryer so much. My sisters both have the Cuisinart one that is like an oven that sits on your That's what I counter. Have. And I thought I'm not going to like that one. Well, you don't. Yeah, Maybe. The one thing I do like about mine is it's very easy to clean. And mine's more of like the dome shape. Yeah, you one. have the Ninja one, I think, right? It's not Ninja. It's like a, it's it's an air fryer brand from Target. It's nothing fancy. The one that I've seen that's super cute is Drew Barrymore came out with a line of air fryers. I'm not kidding, Steph. Look them up. Okay, They're I'm going to look them up. They're freaking adorable. It comes in like an ivory color. They're darling. Isn't it funny how you just change the color of something and we want it 10 times more? For sure. Oh, yeah. They're real cute. Right? Am I right? It's cute. I did not oversell it. This has been such a fun morning. Thank you for being on there, guests. Thank you for filling in. We love you. You're welcome to the show anytime. And everybody have a great week. Ciao, ciao.